Welcome in. This is Defeating the Curse on a somber, somber day, somber week. I think it's going to be a somber month or two until um, we fully process the passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and uh, seven others in California over the weekend uh, this past Sunday. It's uh, it's always hard to broadcast or to talk even, you know, the, this podcast, you know, I don't know how many people listen to it, but in general, just even amongst friends, it's hard when someone you consider to be your, you know, contemporary in many ways passes, um, Kobe, it, it, you know, to me was, he was my Michael. And to many of us growing up in the late 90s and really kind of coming of age in the early 2000s and becoming young men and women in the 2010s, his life ran parallel. And we went through things essentially at the same time. Now, I'm I'm 37, Kobe's 41, so you know, certainly a couple years older than me and certainly very different life path, uh, you know, growing up to a um, to a father that played professional basketball, speaking two fru- fluent languages, and then obviously getting drafted by the Hornets, getting traded to the Lakers, and, and you know, the rest is kind of history. But, um, you know, uh, Peter and I, uh, Peter, you and I grew up, you know, obsessing over the NBA in our uh, late high school days, and and I feel like you and I, in many ways, our first like real bond was over our love for basketball, and our love for the NBA. And and I was a, um, you know, I, I will always be a Kobe Bryant guy. You were a Paul Pierce guy, but you know, we'll talk, I guess, about the basketball. Oh, we'll see where we go. But from a basketball perspective, we grew up with the end of Michael, and as great as Michael was to me and you, I I don't think he was ever. I mean, Kobe was Kobe. And he was, um, you know, I was sharing with you a few days ago, you know, he was a punk kid when we were punk kids. And he was growing up and becoming a man when we were growing up and becoming men. He's the father of, uh, you know, four uh, young women or four young girls. Um, I have three myself and you have one too. So like there was, again, I never met him. I never shook his hand. Uh, you and I, I mean, I remember the... Uh, the, the Celtics-Lakers finals in the uh, late 2000s, 09 and 10 or 8 or 9, whatever it was, you know, it was much, he, he was appointment television for 20 years of our lives. And that's why even though he was a public figure, lived on the other side of the country, he just felt like a member of the family in many ways. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling here, Pete, but it, it you know, when the news was breaking on Sunday, you know, all basketball fans, Laker fans, and, and it was just, it, it was surreal, the amount of people, I mean, my mom called to check on me. My mom didn't watch a minute of Kobe Bryant's basketball career, but she knew how much I, 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 I mean, love is a strong word, but I mean, we, we all kind of loved him, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it was different with Jordan. We, we just saw the greatness of Jordan. The off the court stuff really wasn't discussed until he retired and it be, became more known, but after his career was over with Kobe, we saw the rise, we saw the fall, we saw we saw the re-rise, and now we ultimately see his death, his untimely death as well at 41, him and his daughter. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to process things like this, Pete. But uh, you know, again, I knew you you grew up as a Paul Pierce fan, right? Like, and and he was your guy. But I mean, Kobe was Kobe was a cut above. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I'll just kind of start off with kind of my, my thought process and, and initial reactions, you know, I just sitting on my couch, right. Playing, playing with my daughter. And I, uh, I get this text message from someone and, and I, I open it up and, and it's Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. 
I was like, come on, get this out of my face, right? Like, this is a hoax. This can't be true. 41 years old. Like, this guy, he was a special person. And he had so much life after basketball. I, and I remember just putting the phone down thinking, I'm, I can't believe this. I mean, there's no way Kobe Bryant. I mean, I just, I just read his tweet congratulating LeBron James on passing him in total points scored. Like literally the night before. There's no way. And then I put the phone down. I pick it back up and, and I'm like, I got to let me just verify this. I check through other sources and sure enough, it started to hit me. And I started to process the fact that, you know what? Kobe is not with us. And I think it's telling. I mean, he's a special person. And regardless of what you know about basketball or sports in general, he was a captivating person. He was somebody that you were enamored with because of his just sheer ability and genius. He was brilliant. I mean, he was a brilliant mind. He was he was tenacious. He was an incredible person. And you see the sports world and everybody else reacting to his passing. And I've never seen people moved to tears the way they were moved uh, with Kobe's passing. And I think it's a testament to just how incredible of a person he was. And he was such a polarizing person, right? Like you mentioned the Celtics. I hated Kobe. I hated him. You know, and it was it was either you loved him or you hated him. And those polarizing people, there's a reason why they're so polarizing. There's a reason why you either love or hate the guy. It's because he was that damn good. He was so good. He was your worst nightmare if you weren't a fan. And he was, he was your dream if you grew up a Lakers fan. Um, but, you know, the debate between him and Michael and who's better, I mean... <laughs> Kobe was his own person. You got all of these youngsters now in the league who they don't even really remember Jordan, right? Because they, they didn't grow up watching him. I mean, these people are like 18, 19, 20. They play basketball because of Kobe Bryant. I mean, he's the person that they idolize. And to see him go down like that is just, it's, it's devastating. It's devastating for the family, for his close friends, and really sports and sports world. You, I mean, I think yeah. you you kind of nailed it for me too. Like, it's one thing when we lose an athlete or a public figure, right? I mean, we we've lived through a few of these now. Um, you know, Michael Jackson was a, you know, he influenced the music world. But you know, Michael Michael Jackson at the end of his career was not held in the highest regard, and he certainly didn't go out on top of his game. And and it was more, um, you know, Prince, uh, another one, you know. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like you, it's hard. Like there isn't a real parallel here. Kobe, Kobe went out on top, even though he didn't walk off, you know, with a championship ring in his last season. He, he, I mean, he scored 60 points and, and you know, he, they were, they were joking about it on TV just last night. And uh, Gordon Hayward, who at the time was playing for the, uh, the, the Utah jazz, they were kind of giving him a hard time and saying like, you know, maybe, maybe you let him have those points, you know, to kind of see him off into retirement. He said, no, I, I, he scored 60 on me and I, I didn't give him anything, you know, and it's that, that was Kobe Bryant. And the, this idea, you know, the, the Jersey change. I remember, I remember that summer so vividly when he went from eight to 24, that was really the beginning of the birth of the, the Mamba, the black Mamba. And this idea that, 
you know, this tenacity and he's, you know, he was always going to outwork everybody, but now he was taking it on upon him to grow his teammates around him. And, you know, I, I mean, I love basketball because of Kobe Bryant. You know, I, I mean, I was exposed to it because of Michael Jordan. I remember watching the, the 97 and 98 finals and Jordan was Jordan and Rodman was a circus, you know, kind of a freak show at the time. And, but Kobe comes onto the scene. He's a 17 year old kid, 18 year old kid. And I'm, and every, all of us were just like, you know, he's, he's really good, you know? And, you know, to me, you know, you know, the WWE had the attitude era, right? With the rock and Steve Austin and triple H the NBA heyday in my mind will always be the early two thousands or the the late nineties and early two thousands with McGrady and Carter and Kobe. Uh, I mean, just to to name a couple there, but that that's the, that's like prime Dirk, you know, as well. Uh, You know, a few years later we get D Wade and we get, we get Carmelo and then eventually we get LeBron and Carmelo and LeBron together. But I mean, Kobe was, and, and, and now like all these stories over the last three, four days now or three days, Kobe transcended basketball. You know, he was a mentor on a different level to so many current NBA and WNBA and collegiate players that Michael Jordan never did that. And it's not a fault. It's not a fault to Jordan. But Kobe, like you said, he was his own guy and he loved basketball and he loved teaching it. He loved instructing it. And, uh, you know, the stories will continue to come, you know, and, and, you know, him and Shaq had a strained relationship at one point and Shaq went out of his way to repeatedly say, like, it's just like any other you know, sibling rivalry, like these things happen, you know, creative differences are okay. But, you know, one of the last um, interactions that Kobe had with anyone was with, um, with, with Sharif, with Shaq's son, checking on him and just, you know, are you doing okay? Sending him a message on, uh, on Instagram, like an hour or so before, uh, before the helicopter crash, like Kobe was, you know, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. And, and even looking back on some of the interviews I remember him doing over the last couple of years, he, there was a sit down with, um, Matt Barnes on a Showtime show, Matt Barnes, the guy that he, he wanted to clobber, you know, throughout his professional career, eventually having him come play with him in the Lakers for a season, I think, or a season or two, you know, and, and during that interview, like you see his Academy Award sitting on the shelf behind him and Kobe of his own admission said he had to work harder to achieve, you know, that than he ever had to work for anything on the basketball court. This is, we're talking about a five-time champion, a finals MVP, a scoring champion. And he's, he's talking about his collection of children's books and a, and a documentary kind of as his next frontier, the next thing he's going to, you know, he's going to conquer, um, you know, the, the stories of, of him trash talking in different languages just a couple of weeks ago, he's sitting, you know, Luka Donich is sitting, he's getting trash talking in Slovenian and he look, turns around, it's Kobe, you know, it's, Kobe's the one that did his, you know, fluent Spanish, uh, you know, interviews, even though he claimed he didn't speak Spanish, French too, and German, plus Italian, Italian. And English. Like, German, he, was, yeah, I mean. he was just a different type of guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there is no parallel comparison in my mind. I think there's some cultural components when you, when you look at young Kobe, you know, and, and just kind of the, the, the way he carried himself coming, you know, that was also like Kobe came about at the end of the, you know, to go really cross-cultural here, the end of the gangster rap era with uh, with Tupac and Biggie and their untimely deaths as well. You know, both of them in their own rights had their own like diehard followings and this and that. But, but Kobe was, I mean, he was uh, he was a renaissance man. He was always reading. He was always learning something. And that translated to basketball as well. And what makes it so much harder you know, for me as a, as a father, and I, I imagine for any other parent out there, you know, we would do anything to, for our kids, including, you know, I, I would give up my life in a second for my kids. And I think any, any parent would say the same, 
you know, but what makes it gut wrenching to, to kind of just think through is, you know, there's nothing you can do in a moment like that. Like there was nothing for him to do. And, and, you know, if you're religious, I, I think, and, and I am, and Pete, I know you are too. We find solace in things like the fact that he went to, you went to Catholic mass, you know, just an hour or two before getting on that helicopter. And, um, you know, like we, you know, he didn't talk publicly about his faith, but it, it was a big part of who we became, uh, after his fall in the early two thousands, which was well-documented. Like he, you know, Kobe that was drafted and Kobe that won his first and second championship. It's not, he's not that same guy now. Like, um, and, and I think, um, I think the more people talk about what he did, you know, behind, uh, the scenes, the more we're going to learn about just how amazing, like, and really, really inspiring he was to a generation beyond just, just basketball. I mean, totally. I, I couldn't agree more with your sentiment. You know, the, the first thing I needed was closure, right? I mean, I see this guy who often was portrayed uh, in, in, in some instances in, in a negative light, right? And and maybe we can attribute that to that scandal that happened back in 2003 in Colorado. Um, but, you know, I don't even want to dwell on that. I, I just know that Kobe, there was a light switch. And it happened during his career in the NBA where he would repeatedly say, you know, God, God is good. God is great. God gets me through these times. And I need to be a better person. And I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be striving for perfection. And I mean, this guy was the hardest worker you'd ever seen in, in, in any profession. This is the, the highest level of basketball. Truly a perfectionist. And just just some a shedding some light on the kind of person he was. He he said, "I can't accept being a perfectionist in basketball, but not being the best husband and the best father in 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 this family that I have. And if I strive for excellence on the basketball court, I gotta strive for excellence off the basketball court." And he was always looking to be the best person he could be. And then, you know, to your point, Joe, when when people of his caliber pass away, you start to see a lot of things that are uncovered about their character. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories that have been shared online. There's a lot of personal moments and experiences that people have had with Kobe. And I'll tell you, I had no idea. I had no idea the amount of lives that this person has touched. I had no idea the compassion that Kobe had for so many people. And not only that, we're talking about arguably, and I I, I even say arguably in quotes, the best basketball player in in the 21st century, maybe even the 20th century, display a level of humility display a level of compassion towards people who are just everyday people like you and me. I mean, there was a, there was an article that I read about Kobe playing a game in Phoenix and, and um, someone reached out to him. There was this kid who, who was on his deathbed, a five-year-old had cancer, wasn't really going to live too much longer. This was in Phoenix. He was headed there for a game. This kid's dream was to see Kobe. 
I mean, this kid's dream was to just just shake his hand, get his autograph, take a picture, spend maybe 30 seconds with Kobe. All he cared about was Kobe. I mean, that was his idol. And here's this, this kid sitting in a, in a hospital room, right, in a, in a bed in a terrible condition. Kobe gets wind of it, meets the kid in, like, <laughs> the middle of the night, right, like, after a game, like, gets escorted through, like, the, uh, the hospital uh, – a staircase um, and sees the kid, spends about an hour with this kid, signs things, gets him a basketball, takes the picture and sees this kid in, in, in the stadiums and then kind of gets back talking with his assistant who helped organize this and said, you know what? I need to understand. Is this a financial thing? Because the money's not a problem. I'll get the kid the money. What does he need? I don't care how much this thing costs. I'll spend it. Found out it really wasn't a financial thing. It was just the situation the kid was in. But that was Kobe. And he did that for so many people. And we never heard about those things. Because he didn't care to tell those people. Right? He separated his basketball life, which he excelled at and was amazing at. But then knew that there was something far greater. And he was so committed to just being a better person and influencing positively those people around him and anything that he could do. And it showed. I mean, just just look around the NBA on Sunday. Look at the the amount of players that were unable to compose themselves. I mean, teammates, people that he hadn't played with or like, I don't know what his relationship is with with Kemba Walker today, uh, you know, but it was interesting. I found it fascinating to hear that Kemba met him you know, almost 15 years ago at a clinic in New York because Kobe was, you know, silently behind the scenes supporting a, a uh, you know, a public program there, you know, to help teach basketball in New York. Like Kobe, he, I mean, he touched everybody. I mean, his teammates that he played with over the years, even ones that only a season or two that played with him, he would keep in touch. Like he, he was, you know, like basketball Kobe was, you know, we would say like he was a killer, right? An assassin, cold-blooded, the Mamba, you know, just seeking perfection in his teammates, maybe riding them harder than they, they they could actually handle, whatever. But there was another side to Kobe that we didn't get to see and that we're, we're starting to see now. Like even, even during his prime playing days, I mean, Shaq, I mean, yesterday on Shaq's podcast, you know, and, and the open that we used here on, on the show here today is from Shaq's podcast, I mean, the guy can't eat, he can't sleep, he's got people checking on him, you know, basically, you know, deeming him to be like, you know, he can't process what's happening, you know, and, and by his own admission, you know, him and him and Kobe didn't talk regularly, but he he know he knew that Kobe was talking to his sons regularly, checking in on them, you know, and, and it's, I mean, I, I got to pull myself together here, but it's, uh, it's hard whenever we you know, obviously we lose, we lose anyone, but this is just odd. I I caught myself a few times on Sunday, just trying to understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And I kept just kind of coming back to this idea that, you know, you do, I mean, 20 years is a long time to watch somebody in the public eye. Like he didn't have a relationship with me, but I certainly had a relationship with him. You know, for 20 years, he was appointment television, even even when the NBA became unwatchable in the last couple of seasons. I mean, you and I would joke about this regularly. Like, it's just, you know, Kobe was still must, much, must watch. I mean, everyone watched his last game. 
I mean, the the farewell tour, much like Jeter, like everyone knew it was last season. Everyone, I mean, I had to get to to uh, Verizon Center at the time to see him play one last time, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know now, you know the you know last night the Lakers and Clippers game is postponed, and for good reason. I don't I don't know how anyone can take the you know take to the court there you know just yet, but the, just the circumstances around this are terrible, and and Kobe had so much still to do, and and you know I just keep coming back to this idea like. We, we knew Kobe Bryant on the basketball court for 20 years, and probably when he stepped off that court four seasons ago, we probably thought we'd have at least another 30, 40 years of Kobe growing old. And, you know, maybe, I mean, he by his, he even said, like, I'll never coach unless it's my own kid, right? And sure enough, he was he was coaching Gigi, right? And and he would joke that, uh, you know, Gigi was, Gigi was further along at 13 than he was at 13, and that, you know, she was going to, she was going to be, you know, the Bryant that takes over, the WNBA and I can only imagine like as a dad like you have all these dreams for your kid and all the money all the power all the fame all the everything in a moment you know and literally in a moment it's gone and and the, you know everyone left behind from Vanessa to his other daughters his family his parents like like they are dealing with it on a personal level we we are too it's it's just odd and I see the petitions now about changing the NBA logo and you know what I'll sign it I'm all for it because his <laughs> because his legacy, what he leaves behind, is so much greater than I think any of us can really fathom right now. I mean, if all the teams want to wear purple and gold for the rest of the way, or you know, there was a talk about having one the all star teams wearing eight and twenty four, whatever. Like I'm for all of it because it's clear that his reach went way beyond what we can what we realize or what we thought we knew about him. He was he was so much more. I mean, he was he was a giant. He. <laughs> And, you know, I would say, oh, he deserves, he deserves it, right? Like he, he deserves to have the, uh, the, the logo changed to, to his silhouette or, you know, he deserves to have uh, the, the numbers eight and 24 permanently retired across every team for the rest of the NBA history and life. Right. But I, I, the league deserves it. I mean, he, they, he's given the league so much and he, I mean, if you had to define truly what an NBA basketball player would look like. It would be Kobe. I mean, what makes him so different is he... He was good at everything. He, he was good at everything. He was a brilliant mind, but he he played the game the right way. Yeah. He played the game the right way. He did the right things. And it's unfortunate that he wasn't around to kind of guide these youngsters moving forward because... I think we've seen a shift a little bit between what the NBA used to be and what it is now. I mean, it's, there's a crossover between the, the court and personal life, right? Where you have these athletes that get so political and these athletes that feel like, you know, they're, 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 they're required to be on all the time. Right. And there's no personal life. There's no boundary. It's basketball is everything 24 seven. And, and with with the use of social media and and just being out there all the time, it's like you, you got this influx of, of content from these people, and you're just like, enough is enough. Play basketball, and then go be a role model in your community. Play basketball the right way, and then go be the best damn person you can be outside of the court when you leave that arena. Don't get involved into the 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 
politics. Don't get involved with with um, dividing people. This isn't entertainment. Like, just play the game and then be a great role model outside of it. And he separated his life. And I and he didn't want all of the attention that came along with basketball. I mean, he was an introvert. You could tell. Like, he kept to himself. He was very personal. Which is amazing, all right? Because all, all of this in L.A., like in the episode of entertainment, Kobe is yeah. perfectly fine, you know, being that alpha dog on the court and then right. being private off. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, some of the things I saw, Kendrick Perkins publicly um, apologizing for whatever beef may have may or may not mm-hmm. exist between him and Kevin Durant. Like, I, I think there's going to be, like, and Shaq said it repeatedly yesterday during the special telecast and on his podcast as well, like, the, people just got to squash all that nonsense, you know? And, um, the, I mean, life is too short. It can be over in an instant. Like, we can't carry this weight amongst us. And, and you know, if that's the good that comes from this situation, then, you know, then we'll take it, right? Like, I mean, of course we'll take it. Let's squash as much of this nonsense as we can. You know, but this idea of like Mamba mentality, that's not going away. I mean, indirectly, all of us at, at different points have channeled our Mamba, right? And and mm-hmm. this idea of never giving up and never looking back and pushing forward, whether it's at work or, you know, in our, in our you know, in, in our professional lives or in our, at home. I know, I know there's times I'm, I'm dying at the gym and I'm thinking about, you know, just the, those extra reps, you know, and it's because it's so, 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 so documented everywhere with Kobe. He's in there two hours before practice shooting. He's there for practice. Then he shoots for another hour after practice, right? And, like, that's what it takes to be successful at basketball. That's what it takes to be successful in in our in the business world or in anything else. Podcasting is no different. Like, right. like if you want to be great at something, you're not going to get there by you accident. Practice. You got to practice. And you got you to gotta yeah. give it your all. And, you know, I, um, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I. I mean, God I, gave him all the talent in the world. But but he paid God back <laughs> with his preparation. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, he. How many times he did he it. stay? Like he, I, I, you know, Kobe but Bryant. One of his famous yeah. quotes, right? He's like, "I have nothing in common with lazy people." Right, right. I don't have time and, for that. He just doesn't have time for it. Like whatever he yeah. wanted to do, uh, whether it was learning a language or d- learning how to direct uh, a documentary or write a write a children's book. Like Kobe was writing children's books. Like mm-hmm. he was gonna. He was not gonna be stopped. And, and I think the Academy Award was a testament to that first step, like, you know, Granite Studios and doing this, whatever was coming next. And it, it's just a shame that we don't get to see Kobe, you know, get really old and gray and, and see his, and we don't get to see Gigi do whatever Gigi was going to do. You know, it's just, it's just like a big reset for, for basketball. And, you know, it's... Uh, We'll see what happens. I mean, what what the Lakers ultimately will do, and and what the funeral or the wake or whatever. Like, I, I mean, a part of me, I, I was telling you, like uh, yesterday or Monday or whatever day it was. You know, I feel like I just need to go. I just need to be there, even though my presence won't change anything. But, um, but there's know. a reason you feel that way, right? <laughs> there's a reason we all feel that way. Sure. Because sure. of what he was he was doing and the legacy he left. I mean, you know, the, the ironic thing is, you know, you listen to, to his colleagues and, and people that played with him and who understand kind of the intensity of his schedule and really how busy this guy was. 
And they say, well, the reason why he got the helicopter to begin with was because of the crazy LA traffic. I mean, they said that he cared so much about his family that he had to try to maximize every single minute because of how brutal the practices and the traveling and everything that came along with playing basketball and the media and all the time you just had to allocate to this one thing. And he, and we all know, I mean, we know how crazy LA traffic is, right? We've been to LA. Like we understand how overpopulated the city is. We understand that if you're in LA traffic, bumper to bumper, you're not moving, you're not getting anywhere. And he said, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to get a chopper because I need to be home. Like I need to spend as much time with my kids as possible. Right. I can't afford to be sitting in traffic. Yeah. I need to be able to get home at a reasonable time. And then I, I need to be able to wake up really early so I can take my kids to school. And I want to see get them back off. to pick them up. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm going to take the chopper in. I'm going to go do my thing and then come back and I want to pick them up. All those things he did was just so he could spend time with his family. And I know the initial reaction was like, well, why does he have a helicopter? What What is he doing in a helicopter? Like, right. It's not oh, the it's reason so that you think. Right. So bougie of, of this multi-millionaire Kobe and all the preconceived notions we had about him while he was living. So, so oh, his own personal chopper. But that's not who he was. Yeah. And it, it takes a little bit of digging and all you got to do is just wait for the people to come out and really give the report on everything and the experience they had. And you understand why he did the things he did and the time that he spent. And he said, you know, I love being a, a you know, we talked about this, a, a girl dad. Yeah. And, you know, Kobe, aren't you sad you don't have a son to carry on your legacy? Oh, no, no, Gigi's got this. Like, She's going to be an incredible basketball player, farther ahead than I was at, at her age. Yeah. Going to go to UConn. I mean, wherever she wants. She the, the world is her oyster. And he's like, I love being a girl dad. Like, that was that was him. That was who he was. He, he wanted to maximize his time with his family. He worked so hard in everything he did. And all of these stories that are just coming out there, I mean, he is making grown men cry. You see Tracy McGrady, who who can was his arch nemesis, right? I mean, you look at Tracy and surface level, you'd like, oh, in Tracy's prime, he's better than Kobe. Oh, these people are like cut from the same cloth, one A and one B. And you're Tracy, and you're coming out like, no, he was the best to ever play. I wish I could get on his level. You guys think we were similar? He was leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. Yeah, and, and that's and, because and, of his I mean, work and Vince, ethic. And Vince said the same. And Vince and, Dirk and said Paul the same. and yeah. Dirk and Dwayne Wade. I mean, so many people there coming out and saying yeah. that he wasn't even. They weren't even close to his mentality. And when they played with him, you know, on Team USA, like even even the like the Olympic team when they were gonna the super the you know Dream Team two when they were gonna coast, Kobe wouldn't let them coast. Uh, he <laughs> wouldn't like that. That's not how he was wired and. You know, it's one of the many lessons that, you know, that hopefully we can all kind of learn from his uh, 41 years on earth, but it's tough, man. This is, it's tough. And I, I, and I, maybe, maybe I do want the NBA to change the logo because I want, I want him to be synonymous with the league for, you know, the next 30 years, right. Until somebody truly comes to carry that mantle and not to make this about Jordan or LeBron or anybody else, but like, I mean, Jordan may have been the first, but Kobe had the wider reach and LeBron may be the next but he he just doesn't touch Kobe. I'm sorry, and 
And uh, not not even doesn't hold a candle. No, not even close. It, it's it's not even close, right? Statistically, he's gonna he's gonna surpass him, and that's fine. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he's gonna have the cultural impact. I mean, Kobe Wilbon was just saying yesterday, Kobe is the most popular NBA star in China today, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he hasn't played in four years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, and so. in the Philippines as well, you saw you saw what they did to the the basketball court. Yeah. It's Kobe. They, it's Kobe all it's the time. It's Kobe and his daughter. It's I Kobe mean, all it, the time. It's, it's Kobe all day, every day, and that's not going to change. I mean, I, like I said, I hated the guy. I hated the guy because he was so damn good. And I was a Paul Pierce fan, right? I mean, arch nemesis. Like, you you right. looked at a, it was a mirror image, right? You had the Celtics, you had the Lakers. I mean, two distinguished dynasties. As if facing each other in a mirror, and every single time, I mean, every single time, we we, we watched the 2008 finals, we watched the 2010 finals between the two teams, and I was always nervous because I was never confident in the fact that anybody actually uh, yeah. would have a chance against Kobe. Like, you win against Kobe, and it's almost luck. Like, you know, the Celtics go in and Pierce gets his one ring. And I'm like, well, you know, that's great. And I can speak all boldly and talk about they're a better team. And, and the truth is a stud. But nobody but wanted a rematch. Nobody wanted a rematch. Of course not. You yeah. would never want a rematch. And Kobe let them know in 2010. That's right. I mean, I, I still remember him walking off the court while the Celtics were celebrating. And he just, he just, he looked like he was ready to play you know, tomorrow, start the season now, I'm ready. And, it, you know, that tenacity, like, I, I'm not going to soon forget him. I, I hope the stories continue to come out, Pete, because I just think there's a lot more, you know, to his legacy. I mean, this is this is what legends do. It's not about what they accomplish in front of you. It's about their reach and their impact, you know, beyond what you can see. And, and it's clear that his, his reach and impact goes way beyond anything we could have seen. So, yeah. Um, you know, thank you for making time to, you know, talk through this with me and just kind of share your thoughts and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do it again, uh, you know, as the NBA season progresses. I mean, this is a cloud that's not going to give way to sun anytime soon, but you know, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll keep unpacking this and I mean, we're, we're going to need to process it and it's not a one and done. Right. I mean, this is, we're we're only going to keep riding that roller coaster of emotions as as time goes on and more yeah. things get uncovered and you know it's 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 sad I, I I'm I'm really really sad that he wasn't even there for his Hall of Fame induction mm-hmm. and that speech we would have heard you know that absolutely that was a big deal and 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 that still sits in my my stomach unsettled. You know, that was something I was really looking forward to, like the Kobe Bryant. That's right. His Hall of Fame speech, first ballot Hall of Famer, getting inducted. And it's unfortunate we're not going to see it. But, you know, I'm hoping that, I don't know, maybe one of his daughters or maybe his wife or somebody goes up there and accepts it on his behalf. And gives the best damn speech. And, you know, knowing Kobe, he probably wrote that thing when he was 15. <laughs> Someone's just got to go find that. I, I bet you it's sitting somewhere under a under a blanket, under a sheet. Sure. Or take all of his interviews and piece one together take with his, his voice. Right? I mean, we're going to need something. I, and, and, and I hope 
I hope everyone's thinking about that right now because, you know, we got a lot of material, but we're, we're going to need something big for that honorary hall of fame induction. And, and, you know, he's well-deserving, obviously it's sad that he's not going to get to speak at it, but we need to do something big for that. Thank you for making time, Pete. I know it's not the not the best of uh, or the easiest topic to discuss, but uh, he meant a lot to me. I know he meant a lot to you. He meant a lot to basketball fans beyond L.A., I mean, really all over the world. So thank you for taking a few moments and chatting about the great Kobe Bryant with me. And, you know, in the meantime, we, we pray for his family. We pray for, for, you know, that they can grieve in peace and for the fans to find some solace in this as well. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds, but I, I don't think the Mamba mentality is going away anytime soon. I don't think any of the impact and the reach that he's had across the league and across, really across so thousands, countless lives is going to go in, away anytime soon. And I hope that these positive stories keep to come out, keep coming out and keep encouraging the rest of us that are working through our emotions, you know, with, um, with him passing. So thanks again, Pete. And uh, for everyone here at DTC, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to the big podcast with Shaq as we uh, borrow some audio from that show. Special montage to Kobe Bryant. Pray for his family. Pray for his fans. Pray for the league. Until next time, we are out. With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. I have decided to skip college and take my talent to the NBA. He definitely is in the top 10 players of all time. No question about it. He's the best player in the game? Oh, hands down. He's the best player in basketball, and I don't think it's even close. He has some of the best skills um, that the NBA has ever seen in history. Sense of purpose. No, a sense of purpose was there ever since I was a kid. I knew exactly. I, I felt like I knew what God put me on this earth to do was play the game of basketball. I just loved it so much. And once I came to the NBA and I looked around, I saw other guys that weren't working as much as I was, then I started to understand that, you know, how I went about it is hard work. To me, it was just, I just love what I do, so I want to do it as much as possible. So much emotion in the building because of Kobe Bryant announcing his retirement. Did you set goals when you started in the NBA? Did you have goals at that point? Certain yeah, things was, that you wanted to do? Yeah, it was really simple for me at the time, which is win as many championships as possible. Do you have a favorite Kobe Bryant moment in your career? Uh, nothing beats getting drafted when you hear about that moment. You know, it was it's just uh, and that's the beginning of it all. When I step on that basketball court, I become something else. Brian cannot continue. Well, it's been tough, but you know, when I have tough situations, I, I try to look at them as challenges. I don't look at them as, as, you know, something where it becomes a burden or something that's heavy on my shoulders. I look at it as a challenge and something that, you know, it's just a puzzle that you have to figure out no matter what. And I've always had some of my best performances on the road. You know, when fans boo, I absolutely love it. Problem. They don't understand who I am. Not only am I comfortable being an outsider, that has become a source of motivation for me. So when I go to these places and you boo, it actually comforts me. <laughs> yeah.